took a big chunk bleeding. It's bleeding. I know it's bleeding. The thing just ripped me ear off. What do you think? Welcome to another special edition of Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast. Now, during this year, I've invited some of the biggest names in rugby league to talk to me one-on-one about their incredible careers. This time, I'm delighted to say our special guest is the Welsh wizard himself, Jonathan Davis, OBE, who joins us from his home in South Wales right now. Jonathan, first of all, thank you for taking time out to do this. Um, we're gradually coming out of the COVID uh, crisis, and I've asked all my guests this year at the start of these interviews, how have you coped over the past turbulent 15 months or so? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's been difficult for everyone, but, um, you know, in relative terms, I live in a nice area, you know, I've got a back garden. Um, I did decide to put some gym stuff in the garage beforehand. So, yeah, you know, it's it's been tough, but um, you know, considering everything, all my family's you know, well, and, um, you know, work has kind of kept on ticking over. Uh, my wife's been very busy. She, you know, runs a couple of care homes. So that's been really at the, the cold face of it. So uh, it's been, but overall, you know, I, I've kind of um, adapted well and kind of enjoyed parts of it, to be honest. Good on you. Well, as you say, if you've got a garden and you can get out, get a bit of fresh air, it's much better, I'm sure, than living in a in a tenement oh, yeah. block, you know, isn't compared, it? You kind of think you compare it to a lot of people, and also, you know, I know I live about um, five hundred yards from the coast, so you do, you know, you when we were allowed to do these walks, you know, the walks were great because uh, we just went on the on the coastal walks, and they were beautiful. Fantastic, as you say, you, your wife uh, runs a couple of care homes. You, you told me earlier this week that you've you've had your your two jabs. Uh, you help out there, I believe, so you'll know exactly what this pandemic has caused and what it might leave behind. Oh, I think you know. I've lived, you know, I've lived it for the last year with with Jay, my my wife, and um, you know, just trying to help out there, you know, carrying stuff and everything. But uh, also, I was planning when I met Jay. I was planning for the future. I've got a nice sea view room now down there when I'm getting uh, a bit decrepit. <laughs> <laughs> when you're sitting in, when you're sitting in the rocking chair, looking out and remembering, exactly. eh? Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's just been it has, it has been tough for everyone, and I'm, I'm hope like that um, you know recovery will be as uh, very quick for people. Fingers crossed. Right, let's take you back right to the very, very start. You were born in Trimsaran, and you were introduced to rugby league by your teacher at school. Did, listen, did you did you have any inkling at that time that you were destined to go on and play the game to the level that you did? No, no idea. Um, you know, you just uh, start off in a little village and, um, you know, rugby was the kind of the, the centre, the rugby club was the centre of the community. Um, and uh, my dad, you know, played there and started the youth team off. So, like anybody else, I just, you know, just went to watch on a Saturday, enjoyed playing all kinds of sport, really. And then, um, you know, once Marion came, the school teacher, then we had a little bit more discipline and structure and we played against um, other school sides every Friday. Uh, and he just taught us the, you know, the core skills of it. So yeah, we didn't, it, it's like anyone else. I don't think you have any aspirations at all until you get to a certain age. And then people start recognising, oh, you've got a little bit of a talent. But then it's very difficult from where you come from because 
I, you know, we're, I'm from a small village, and the district side we played for were only small, uh, three schools. So when we played against, you know, the big city like Swansea and Cardiff and Bridgend and, you know, and Neath and Newport, you know, we were always outgunned up front. So we, you know, we didn't have much ball to play with. So it was very difficult to show your talents coming through. I'm sure it was, but but as you say, you, you, your dad played and captain Trim Saron. You, you must yeah. have been must have been delighted and very proud to follow in his footsteps when you you made the step up, wouldn't you? Yeah, it was. You know, it's like it's a tough time when um, you know losing your dad. Well, he was ill when I was twelve. Uh, he had cancer mm. and had to go away to, for you know a long time having treatment in Cambridge Hospital, Addenbrooke's, and my mum. So it was a very difficult times for me and my sisters living with my grandmother. Um, you know, and I didn't really at that time. I, I, you know, again, I was just enjoying myself playing rugby. Um, but yeah, when unfortunately he passed away, uh, there was a motivation for me to, you know, to try and maybe, you know, do something that he would be proud of me. And um, if I, because the club was very good to me, um, I was, I, I always thought that if I didn't make it, I would spend my time just playing and replicating my dad and hopefully trying to be captain of some Saturn rugby club but um, you know things t- turned out differently they did did he did he actually see you get into the, the Welsh under 12s Jonathan in 74 no, no. no? oh what a shame I played West Wales against East Wales in Cardiff Arms Park like a, a curtain raiser for Wales Tonga um, which is odd because 14 yeah but 14 years later the prop that played that day for Tonga took me out in a late tackle in, out in Tonga you, that 14 years later. So I don't know if I upset him when I was under 12. <laughs> uh, no, he did. Unfortunately, he passed away when I was when I was 14. I hadn't achieved anything at that time. And to be honest, I didn't achieve it. You know, I didn't play for any schools team or youth team for Wales at, at any level. No, oh, what a shame he didn't he didn't live to see all that you've achieved. But yeah. um, you know, I'm sure looking down, he, he he must be very very proud of you and what you've what you have achieved. Yeah, what hopefully, you've done. hopefully, my member has been there through thick and thin with me, and uh, you know, just as he was my my rock. But uh, yeah, hopefully, my dad will be proud. I'm sure he will. You left school at, at 17, didn't you? You became an apprentice painter and decorator. Are you a dab hand? Can I hire you? Are you ready? Are you ready to come up? No, I that's, I remember. It was odd because um, I, I lost a little bit of discipline when my dad died and um, I fell out with, with um, the P teacher in school. So I kind of gave up a little bit on school and then so I left to be a, to work. Um, and then I uh, realised I wasn't a very good painter and decorator. One day I was, I was <laughs> doing a little you know job and uh, my mate couldn't couldn't kind of hang the wallpaper, couldn't get the pattern. It's because I'd pasted the wrong side of the anaglypta. So that's... <laughs> I needed to get a new job, to be honest. But um, it was uh, it was one of those things that I left school. You know, I, I, I work. I've worked since I was sixteen, so I've just left and gone. And um, it was one of those things. I made a decision, and I, I just you know enjoyed life, worked hard, and, and trained and played rugby. Well, if you pasted the wrong side of anaglypta, Jonathan, um, probably a good job you gave it away. But I must say, you and I are of the same. Uh, Tree, you know, I've no idea when it comes to oh, DIY. DIY, I, 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 in lockdown, I've painted everything. If it doesn't move, I've painted it right. So, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I've, I've done a bit of it in the garden, but no, I am, I wouldn't be doing anyone any jobs. <laughs> right. Well, look, the, the big step, I suppose, came when you went for a trial with Renethley. They said no, uh, but Neath, they gave you another chance, and you signed uh, for them as, as a fly half. 
Yeah, just about pers- it's, it's perseverance it is. You know, I, I went to Clare for a try. I, I thought I did well. I scored a couple of tries. And uh, the next thing, um, you know, I came, I, I, didn't, I didn't get selected. And I had a phone call up to the Blue for Neath. And I was it. So I, I was in um, some Southern Rugby Club on a Sunday night. And they said, oh, do you want to play on Tuesday? So yeah. that was it. I didn't train with them. I didn't know anyone of them. I just turned up. I took a half day off work, turned up. And the rest is kind of... Uh, you know, history. And, but I, I had an opportunity with Neath. There was a great team there. Brian Thomas, Glenn Ball and uh, Ron Waldron coaching set there. So it was very, very, you know, good. And we played a nice style of rugby. But after six games, I tore my cruciate my, in my right knee. Oh. So I, I didn't play for 14 months then. But they, had, you know, they, they looked after me. And when they asked me, I had one game from, you know, like a junior side. They said, look, are you fit? I said, oh, I'm not sure. Well, you're in, and I and they put they threw me straight into the deep end. So it was a a quick, a huge learning curve for me. But you know, I, I I'm forever grateful for Neath because you know they were the ones who gave me the off my first opportunity to play, you know, at, at senior level. And unless you don't really know how good you are until you kind of go up against better players, and that was my opportunity. Well, as you say, they, they they treated you well. You treated them well because um, obviously uh, you caught the eye at Neath and you were selected for Wales against England at the Arms Park. Try and a drop goal and man of the match, I believe. Yeah, it was um, yeah, it was one of those things. It's, it's a huge set setup, and you've just got to get used to it, you know. And it took me, um, you know, maybe twenty minutes to get into the game. I had Great Terry Holmes playing from half inside me, and um, but yeah, we just managed to kind of close out the game, and um, I just you know made a couple of right decisions. I had a very lucky try. I just kicked, I put a, a big up and ended up. It was such a bad kick. I chased it, and, and unfortunately for the England fullback, he dropped it, and I jumped on it, and it was kind of a turning point in the game. So very very enjoyable, and just you know. To, to be a, a little Welsh lad growing up in a rugby community in West Wales, it was just, the, 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 I think, the best moment of my career. I'm sure it, that's a dream, a dream come true. And you were captain of Neath, but then it, how amazing that things suddenly turn around because the next thing is you transferred to Flanesley. Yeah, it was it was odd because I was kind of put under pressure to sign for Neath. And, I've, you know, I'm, like I said, Forever grateful for Neath, but you know I wanted to play for my my home club, and the opportunity came up, and uh, you know I, I just explained the situation, and, and off I went. So I'd um, yeah a couple one one couple of scenes in Flathew because they played a different style of rugby, um, which was um, which, which you know which was kind of more fluid, I suppose, and more footballing with the forwards. The the Neath boys are more robust and brilliant off the front foot, but yeah, it was it was. I, I just wanted to play for my hometown. Now, it was as simple as that. There was no no problems leaving Neath at all. You know, I just wanted to play for my hometown. And you did. And you went on and played <laughs> again, of course, for, for Wales many times. 37 Union caps, I think. I, I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I can't remember how many I had. but uh, <laughs> well, Enough, so, anyway. You had enough. Yeah, so around that mark, Ed. Around that mark. Okay. <laughs> and you won the Triple Crown uh, and yeah. went on the New Zealand tour. Captain the side, uh, they must have been great times as well. What are your memories of that tour? 
Oh, the tour was very difficult. Um, you know, they were the always best. always is against them. Always, isn't it? You know, there was the best side in the world by a stretch. You know, they just won the World Cup in '87, where we played in that. We came third in that, and that was a great achievement. But then going over there, you know, they were they were kind of not. I wouldn't say they were professionals in. They weren't getting paid for it, but they were they were like professionals because, you know, they were looked after. Um, you know, if they trained, the, the companies would be reimbursed. So they were professionals, except for being paid. And they had fantastic players throughout. And it was tough touring it. But, you know, I learned so much from, you know, from those defeats, you know, and playing in, going to the to, to the um, the regions. It was just great learning curve for me. Um, although I had no heavy, heavy defeats. But I just wanted to outplay my opposite number every game. And, and I think I came back from there with, you know, with, with my reputation intact, which a lot didn't. And, you know, that meant a lot to me. I'm, I'm sure it did. But then, then... Wales are beaten by Romania, and you're the man who gets blamed in the media. And I get the feeling, when I look back on this and, and read all the reports, this was the time when things started just to to turn a little bit sour. Uh, I, I, you know, I never say it was sour because you know I was privileged to play for you know the clubs and and, and Wales. So I think when we came back from New Zealand, we understood. Um, the, the the gap between North and South Hemisphere. And the reasons were not the ability of the players. It was, you know, the way they were looked after and the time they were going. They were, they trained more than us and they prepared better than us. And I thought that, you know, that, that would we were never, ever going to close the gap until we were had the same, you know, um, lev- we were on the same playing level as them. So that, that was the one that really disgruntled me because I thought unless we change the Northern Hemisphere, we will never... You know, compete or beat the Southern Hemisphere, but also then when we went, to, you know, when we played Romania, the knives were out, and I didn't. I found I didn't have much support from, you know, the WIU at the time. And it just, it wasn't sour. I just felt that, you know, I, I where where are we going? What what we will never compete at, you know, at at, at the highest level unless we were, you know, things change, and it, and it didn't change, and I and I and I didn't know when they would change. So I was kind of that's what. what Disgruntled me. I had a small, small time in my in my playing career to achieve, you know, as much as I could, and to, and to do that, I had to think of what was best for me and my family, and what gave me the better platform to show my skills off. Um, so then, you know, I, I really enjoyed playing for Tlenetli. You know, we were a great side at the time, and we could have gone on and, you know, dominated Welsh rugby, maybe British rugby at that time. You know, we were such a good side. But I always knew playing for Wales, which you know, was everything for me that we would never, you know, compete and beat the Southern Hemisphere. So, so it was kind of that's what kind of disgruntled me more. And of course, timing is of the essence. So at this point, step into your life two very unique characters, <laughs> Jim Mills and Dougie Lawton. And suddenly yeah. rugby league was beckoning. Yeah, I'd always watched, you know, I'd mentioned something I'd loved because I, I played in Australia and I in 86, I think, I was playing the Sam's tournament over there and I was lucky I scored a hat-trick and I'd kind of played at the tournament on a hat-trick against New Zealand. We lost to Australia in the semi-final. But I played quite well and then all of a sudden the, the um, Australian kind of rugby league were, you know, showing interest. And that's when I made my name in the Southern Hemisphere. So Dougie, I think, was very shrewd uh, because I know he picked up um, 
Emossi Coloto from watching Wellington versus Wales in 1988. So, you know, he was a shrewd judge of uh, of a player because Emossi was a great, great player. And then to see Martin O'Faya, you know, scoring a hat-trick against Cardiff, the Barbarians, he had a shrewd eye and he kind of... I was approached then by them, um, but I was, I was approached by St. Helens, Warrington and Leeds prior to that and I felt that I wasn't ready. Uh, I don't think I was, you know, maybe mature enough to um you know to play the game of rugby league but i'd never seen a rugby league game live <laughs> so i watched, <laughs> watched it for like, the lions on a tuesday night and i enjoyed what you know what i saw so that's when you know they planted the seed and um yeah dougie and and jim came down and did the sales job on me good on them and um, thank god that they did and you weren't lost to us uh, but but this was it was a real cloak and dagger uh, business, this wasn't it? Because uh, in those days, you know, if you if, if even caught, yeah. if yeah, if you're caught, you're gone, you're finished. I can't play any sport, you know. I can't, you know, I, I, if I'm caught speaking to them, I was warned about soliciting myself because I said <laughs> on a newspaper or magazine that oh, maybe I'll try it. I had a warning, so it was just yeah, very difficult times. And even you know, when they came down, we just. Locked ourselves in the, in my lawyer's office in Swansea, and we thrashed the deal out. And um, you know they uh, they came. I said, look, we we thrashed the deal out, and said this is the figure, this is the term. You give you promise me that. I said I'll shake on it. No, and I'll and I'll come back and sign tomorrow. And that's what I did. Once they came back with the figure about midnight that night, it was passed in the committee. Um, you know I, I shook hands and I went back and signed the following day. And then. Pandemonium started. <laughs> yeah. um, I bet it did. I bet it did. Yeah, I didn't think it was that big a story, but it was just an incredible, you know, period because the press, you know, were all over the place, and um, you know, the, the Welsh press were disappointed. You know, some made big stories; they were glad for me to go. Um, but then going up to the northwest, you know, I think it was I was a bigger it was a bigger story if I'd have failed. I think that's what they were waiting for. You know that that for them, like another Southern Rugby softy coming up. But, uh, you know, I give well, it my best shot. Well, you, you didn't you didn't fail. There was no doubt about that. And, you know, as you say, in, in those days, if you were even seen talking to or hinting that you fancied your chance at Rugby League, you, you couldn't play anything else, you were ostracised. What, what was What was the... What was the view of your pals at the time? Because they, they probably had an inkling you were having to think about it as well. What what did you, your mates say? What did what did yeah. the supporters of, of the club say? I think you know, an inner circle of friends. Um, you know, I kind of you know discussed these things um, and my family as well, and you know, decided what was best for me. And um, it was immaterial what supporters thought. They would, I think, they were disappointed. That I'd left, but then again, you know, once I went up there, they, you know, they wished me luck. So it was, it was kind of my decision, the family decision, what was best for me and my family at the time. Um, and and it was as it was as simple as that. You know, it was uh, being a part of a team. You can't be selfish, but sometimes you've got to make a decision which kind of benefits you long term with your family. And that's the reason, you know, I, I I did it really was the financial security for my family. And nobody will blame you for that. I. I remember when you signed, uh, and of course I was then and still am a big pal of, of, of David Watkins, and yeah. and I likened your move because when David came north, it was like George Best had come to the yeah. rugby league from the rugby union. I likened your move as the 
you know, the, the most glamorous signing for rugby league from rugby union since then. Did David speak to you at all? Did he offer I any did, advice? I, I did. You know, I, I'm a good friend with Dave. And, uh, you know, on I didn't really know him that well because, you know, we played at different, uh, different times. But I'd always, you know, come across him because he's a, an icon of the game in, in Wales and the icon of the game in, in the Northwest Rugby League. So, you know, I, I, on the way up, um, after I'd signed, first time I, I travelled up north to face the music, I called <laughs> in to see Dave um, in his house. I called in had a cup of tea with David and Jane and I just picked his brains. Um, you know, and that was invaluable for me as well. Um, so, but it's 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 different for everyone else. I think the only thing I needed was a bit of luck. You know, I knew I was fit enough. I knew, you know, I was good enough. I knew I was tough enough. I just needed, a, you know, kind of a, a long run without any injuries, which I could really, you know, do a crash course in it. And that's what happened. I can I. Dougie slowly, you know, I played a couple of A-team games and then I, I slowly came onto the wing. But all of a sudden then I was picked to go on a, on a Great Britain tour and then I went to play in the Canterbury Bulldogs. So I had a real, real crash course in it. And I was very fortunate that I I didn't have any injuries. So I'd, I had time to adapt. And also I went to a, a good team because if you go to a good team, the tough thing is breaking into that team. There was a world-class team with world-class players all over it. It so was. It, the first thing was to break into that team. And if I broke into that team and showed my ability, um, then, you know, the, I suppose the world is my oyster then. Well, it definitely was. And I remember those A-team games. I think that I think they, they believe at Witness that they actually paid for your contract by the fact that they almost had to close the gates on the reserve team matches when you, <laughs> you first yeah, walked out and made, like made your debut. It was packed. There was rumours about four or 5,000, you know, in the reserve game. So they had a few of them and I'd, I didn't play any many away games at all. So, yeah, so I think uh, it was it was shrewd business. It was. And, and I remember when David came north, he said that he had the only the only real introduction to the game was in the Stanilands Hotel. And Griff Jenkins, the Salford coach, taught him in the lounge how to play the ball properly. Uh, yeah. what, was your, what was your introduction to rugby league? I fancy with Dougie and Jim and that world-class witness team a little bit more professional than that. It, it wasn't really. It wasn't no? really. No, I, th I just think, you know, there you go, on you go. There's, <laughs> there's training, you know, you know how to play the ball, obviously. That's the, th that's the big difference to, uh, to rugby union. Um, but it was just adapting to kind of different instincts where you've had rugby union instincts, you know, the players in a different position and just, you know. But I was like a sponge. I just always asked questions in the change room, always asked questions about my opposite number, and just, you know, t spoke to Dougie a lot and sat down and watched a bit of a lot of rugby league. So I was just kind of learning as, as I went along, really, and just absorbing everything. But again, with such great players, you know, you had your kind of Martin was, was there. Then you had you know, Tony Myler, then the Humes. Then you had boys like Derek Pike, you know, established rugby league players. And then Kurt was Sorison's end and a footballing hooker like Phil McKenzie. Was it? So I just kind of absorbed everything and watched everything that they did and um you know hopefully could could add something to that witness side well you you added in spades there is no question about that and as you say you you got selected for great britain you went to australia played for canterbury bankstown the bulldogs of course as they're they're now known today heady days jonathan heady days for you 
Yeah, again, you just, you know, as if I had enough pressure, you know, to, to try and beat the, you know, come in and crack the British game. All of a sudden, I thought, oh, why not go to, you know, so go to in Australia? Have another crack. So, you know, I, I, I took the same abuse and the same kind of cheap shots in England and in Australia. So, you know, there's nothing new to that. Um, but you have to keep your head down and just and then keep on keep on playing. So, but that was that was brilliant. I thoroughly enjoyed Australia. I was offered a three-year contract with the Bulldogs, um, but I thought that wouldn't be a massive legal battle if that was the case because I was still contracted to witness. Yeah. But I, did, I didn't want another kind of uh, an, an, another couple of years of like uh, I, I don't know kind of. Disharmony, I suppose, just settle in one place and then see what happens. So I was, I really enjoyed my time in Australia. I, I still to this day say that it's the toughest rugby competition I have ever played in, and I and I watch it regularly now. And the standard is absolutely ridiculous. You know, it's but just to say that I've played in it and I've you know I've scored in it and people remember remember me for being down there is. Uh, you know, is 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 a great is a great uh, feeling for me. Great accolade of fourteen games you played for Canterbury Bankstown, a hundred points from full back. You didn't do well, that. Uh, no, that's a lot because I think the top try scorer that year was um, Alan McAnally or someone like that on the wing for Illawarra. who had fourteen and I had nine. So you know, you I, and I played half the season because Widnes had been successful. He wanted me out there earlier. But you know, witness went to the Premiership, and I. But the funny thing is, you know, you're playing against. I can't remember. I think it might have been Hull in the Premiership on the Sunday. You jump on a plane on Tuesday. You arrive there on the Thursday. You train, and then I was playing Canberra, the champions, on the following Saturday. So there's no messing about, you know. You're straight into it, and I'm playing against Malmeninga, Laurie Daly, Bradley Clyde. I'm thinking, oh, I, I didn't know what time zone I was in, let alone what city I was in. <laughs> It seems to me, Jonathan, you have been thrown at the deep end all the way through your career. It is, but, you know, it's... Sink or swim. It is, it is a bit like that, but I enjoyed playing. I trained really hard. I was a good trainer. So I I looked forward to playing. I don't understand a lot of the players now who say, oh, yeah, you know, um, I I don't want to play this weekend. It's it's, it's interfering with my training. You know, that's... It's just... It is what it is, and you've got to, you know, make the most of it. You've got to look after your body, obviously. But, you know, when I finished, I knew my time was up and I had no regrets. I'd given everything. I couldn't give any more. And that, and that's when I look back, you know, I have no issues on, you know, what what I put into it and what I got out of it. Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, then, look, you, you, you then came up. I just want to talk to you about witness because, you know, they've gone from riches to rags at the moment. And that, that yeah. saddens me deeply. It really does. I'm sure it must sadden you as well. It does. I went down, uh, funny enough, this year, Kevin Ellis and myself went down to watch uh, a witness play against um, the West Wales Raiders, you know, Rangi Chase and Gavin Henson was playing. Yes. And we're all going, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to, we'll beat these, we'll beat witness. And I'm thinking, just hang on a minute now. And then, you know, they turned the intensity and they won by 50 odd points. And then, but I, I looked at them and thought, okay, I won't judge them on that now. I'll watch them, see how they go. And then last week, you know, they beat, they were beaten by 70 points with against Toulouse, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, it's such a fall from grace. But unfortunately, like sport, you know, it's it's all driven by money, you know. And it is. if you haven't got the money, you can't buy the players. And if you can't get the players, you're not going to win games and you go and drop down. So hopefully, you know, with such a, a rugby league community and, and a good support base there, you know, hopefully they'll bounce back as, as they did 
um, you know, a couple of years ago, go back and go back into Super League. But you know, it's a, it's a tough way in now. Maybe they need another raid into South Wales to get somebody like Jonathan well, Davis, think, Kevin I, Ellis, John think, Devereux, yeah, you know, the, Moriarty. The, pro- the problem you have now is like, you know, when I was very fortunate to play in a great rugby league side, you know, I played in a great rugby union side and I've, I've really enjoyed, you know, all the sides I played with. But with, um, you know, the rugby league side, we, you know, the difference now is there's a lot of players in Wales who are capable of going up to rugby league. But rugby union is playing far more, even at such a lower level as more money in, in union. So players aren't going to go and chance their arm and take a chance, you know, because it'll take them out of their comfort zone. And why do that if they uh, if they're getting paid more where they are? You can't blame them for that, no. But it, it it is a shame. It is a shame. And of course, around about this time, the Welsh national side in rugby league, well, it, it absolutely took off. I, I've mentioned uh, Moriarty, uh, Devereux, Kevin Everett, Roland Phillips. What a side! What a side you had then. I remember the Vetchfield. Was it against Papua New Guinea? And you had the game of your life. I remember I think, it well. I think everyone, I think everyone wanted. You know, to to back to get back and play, you know, with each other. That was the first thing because we were all over the the, the northwest. And we, didn't, it was, we just really enjoyed it. Like when we got together, we we you know we had a good time. We 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 all partied to get to know each other. <laughs> then we had all the you know we had Kelvin Skerritt, Martin Hall, uh, Neil Cowie, um, Anthony Sullivan. You know, not maybe you know Welsh boys, but no, they they, they could have played for England, but they realised the fun that we had when we got together and the, you know, the passion that we had. And when we went back to, to playing against Papua New Guinea first, you know, the pressure for all of us to go back there and to show our skills of, of what they'd lost, you know, and that we really, really enjoyed it every minute of it on and off the field. You know, we beat, we beat England in Indian Park. We beat Papua New Guinea. We beat Samoa. People still talk about that Samoa game. You know, they, the atmosphere and, and the physicality of it. Was you that know, in the World Cup that year? Was yeah, that it was the 95 World Cup. You sold the Vetch out that night. Well, it was packed, you know, they had delayed kickoffs. Was, yep. you know, they had a great side Samoa. You know, there was blood everywhere in the change room. And we had, I remember the Swansea, uh, foot, Swansea City football team apprentices were cleaning the change rooms after. I think they were in shock. They said it was <laughs> a mash it was. Like, you know, there's blood and ice and snot and stitches <laughs> everywhere but that you know we sat there and drank you know bottles of beer together and you know it was just that that's what you know the memories are made of and, and nights like that and playing with your mates and you know we still you know we still see each other you know the boys now that everyone's retired and it they are they are fun memories uh eddie they have they're brilliant brilliant times Oh, they were. I mean, even for those of us on the outside looking in, you could tell it was like a, it was like a club side playing for the national team, wasn't it? It really was. In fact, it was, it was probably yeah. it was probably deeper than that. I think it was because you know we'd everyone had left home, and you know Bish had gone to Hulkea, um, Kevin had gone to Warrington, and then we had Yestin, born and bred in. In Oldham, <laughs> uh, you know, that young had gone to Leeds, so we were all spread all over the northwest, and we didn't see each other because a lot of us worked as well as played rugby league, so we didn't spend time together to to sort of catch up and see each other, and also all the wives, you know, ox ox, you know, came back and saw and watched the game, so they kind of, you know, got the the chat in again. It was just a brilliant time for us, you know, and um, 
like I said, it was we enjoyed every moment of it. I bet you did. We, 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 we've mentioned Widnes struggling financially. Um, so Warrington came and they they signed you. I remember we were almost neighbours in the Westbrook area of Warrington. Yeah. You were you were around the corner from me. You were playing for Widnes, living in living in Warrington. I was. Good days. Happy were, days. Uh, you know, what I was it like? Play. What was it like at Warrington? Well, uh, but it was odd because you know I didn't. I never thought that I'd go to another club, um, and especially someone like Warrington, you know, arch rivals. But I looked at it and, and I remember Jim Jim Mills said to me, "Right, you know, I need to speak to you." I said, "Right, we can't afford you. We've got to go." Oh, thanks, Jim. <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> so I, I, I then told him, "Okay." So you know, I spoke to Castleford and. Wigan had a little, you know, John Morney said, mentioned something, and then um, Wakefield with uh, Dave Topless. I want to meet the great Dave Topless in, in in Wakefield. But then I thought, you know, my kids were in the school. I lived, you know, I lived in Warrington. I actually, I'd actually moved to Widnes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, then all of a sudden, you know, it, it seemed a better fit for me. And you know, Alan was there, Alan Bateman was there, Roland was there, and Kevin Ellis was there. So I thought, look, you know, there wouldn't be any disruption to family life. I could just nip over training, and it would. It would let's see how how I could improve Warrington. And um, I went there, and all of a sudden, the whole place lifted. You know, I enjoyed playing there, um, and we we played way above, you know, our station that year. You know, we if we'd have had a couple of other players to. to carry us through we might have won the championship it would have been a little bit like Leicester City-esque mind because yeah. you know we were up against Wigan and Bradford but yeah we, we, I just think we run out of steam a little bit we didn't beat you know Wigan we had a, a close a draw with Wigan which needed a win but uh, we we pushed everyone hard that year and, and I think we overperformed um, kind of uh, on that season, and I and I really really enjoyed my you know my time there. Having come, expectations were different in Witness. Windows were a great side, and we expect they, people expect us to win things, which we did. Uh, going to Warrington, maybe they were just mid middle of the table, and you know all of a sudden we nearly won the you know we nearly won the, the championship, and there was no Premiership then as well. So we could have been in the Premiership playoff, and we did, we could have given it a go there. You, you could have done, and, and people in Warrington, believe me, still fondly remember uh, the 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 time that you were you were at the Warrington club. Yeah, I did. it was a great, you know, I it was it was odd because you know I thought I was ne- I was going to retire to be honest because um, my knee was aching a little bit, but it just give me that little bit of injection, and I scored a try in Wembley when I was with Warrington, and then all of a sudden I had another season to go to North Queensland, and uh, mm. it just gave me a little, you know, of a. Of a lift up, to be honest. I bet it I, did. I, I go places. That's what if you go places and people buy you, you you have to kind of perform. I think that's the thing I've always tried to do. I I always thought right if people are putting, you know, their money where their mouth and 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 confident and putting their confidence in me, I've got to show them that you know I'll do everything that I can to you know to well to to, to perform. And I think. I, I, I hopefully the Warrington fans, in, you know, enjoyed it, and because I, I, again, I scored some lovely tries there, I scored some lovely tries in Witness, and I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, the, the two towns are great towns, and they're both great rugby league clubs, and I was very fortunate, to, you know, to play for both of them. 
You touched on um, the try you scored for Great Britain at Wembley against the Kangaroos. Um, you swept past Brett Mullins for a fantastic try in the corner, but in the process, you dislocated your shoulder. And that was your, your Ashes series gone. We could have won the Ashes that year, Jonathan. It was odd, you know. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. You know, it's all, you know, if people say, you know, the biggest word in English dictionary is if, you know, if I'd done this, if I'd done that. But um, I just feel, when I played against Australia, I, I never, not not growing up and watching the great green and gold, I, I, I wasn't scared of them. So when I played against them, I felt, I felt it as a challenge. So I'd... When I played against Australia for Witness, I scored again, you know. So, and then when I played in Australia, you know, I scored against Australians. Um, so when I came up against them, I felt it a real challenge. And, you know, because you want to play against the best and they were the best. So I, I really enjoyed my battles against them. And I was always confident of, of scoring against them. And, and that particular year, 94, you know, we had a great... Tactically, Ellery was brilliant in the first game. But unfortunately, you know, doing a, a tackle, Barry Mack fell on me accidentally. And, um, yeah, I, I, I hurt my clavicle joint. I was out for 10, for 10 weeks. And that's one regret I have in rugby league, is the fact that because I was enjoying my career and I felt I was a little bit in the zone playing for Warrington and things would happen when I, you know, when I had the ball... I always felt that I could score against them. And if I, I would have loved to have played in the second and third match of that series because I felt, you know, I, I would have been a threat to them. And that's that's the one regret that I got injured. And I didn't I didn't have the opportunity to play in the rest of that series. Because I had not the opportunity to play in, in previous ones, you know. I I played in New Zealand, scored in New Zealand as well for the Lions, uh, the rugby league lions down there. We were, you know, we won the series two one, which was brilliant. So I, I really enjoyed the international stage of rugby league. Yeah, they were great days. Heady, heady days. They were, they were. They were brilliant days. They were. And, you know, it's funny you say that, that that's your big regret. Um, when I hung the microphone up a couple of years ago, one of the things I said was my probably my biggest regret was never having been able to call an Ashes winning series because that's the ultimate, isn't it? You know, I know the World Cup's on its way and it's going to be massive if if England can win that. But to win an Ashes series for Great Britain, to me, that seems to be the pinnacle. Yeah, I, I and, and I, we've not we've not done it for years. I, I, you know, it's something they are they are a great great side and it, and it takes a great effort to do it right. And when you watch them, the, the quality that comes through with them, it's it's amazing. So. It's it's a big ask, but you know they've had opportunities. So you know, I've been very fortunate like, to beat Australia in Wembley, to beat New Zealand in Wembley, to win an Ash- to win a series against New Zealand home and away in rugby league. Um, to score tries, to score tries against New Zealand rugby union, you know, and, and then to, to. But that that is that's one of those things. Eh? You know, rugby union. We have nobody in Wales has beaten the All Blacks for, for sixty years, and then you know, unfortunately, we haven't beaten Australian rugby union and rugby league. No, we haven't. We haven't. Uh, but listen, we're going to talk about um, in a moment about the great switch that you had, from, and it was a great switch from union to league, but then from the uh, shop floor to the commentary box. That's coming up. But can I just run back and just think about the game? In Wales, you boys during your time, you, you had such a great influence on rugby league in Wales. The international scene took off when you were there. Why has it? We have never in rugby league 
been able to take Wales? Why can we never get a club side to thrive yeah. in Wales? Any any ideas? I think it has to be a leap of faith by the league, uh, rugby league. I think you have to say, right, we have to do put a franchise in there and you have to put a few rugby league, good rugby league players in there. And then maybe you can pick, you know, cherry pick a couple of the union boys. No, no, I don't think it's the opportunity now because the game is professional down here. But mm. it all comes down to money. But they had a chance maybe in in '95 to do it. Um, you know, we could have had a little bit like Catland Dragons are now, I suppose. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it seems like a missed opportunity. You know, back in uh, in the early '90s. Definitely. Definitely, and and beyond that, I mean, yeah, because you know, Brian Noble tells me all the time, you know, I think Wales rugby players are um, kind of better suited the league than they are rugby union because we're not the biggest nation in the world, but we're a skillful nation, and you know, a lot of them would adapt and um, you know, and, and make a career of it. But unfortunately, why would you leave your comfort zone of playing rugby union, the game you know, to put yourself under pressure when there's no need to financially? Well, maybe they should talk to you and David Watkins and you would... Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know. maybe. But we weren't paid back at all. That's, that's what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that now. I, I know that the tongue is very firmly in the cheek there, Jonathan, yeah. definitely. Uh, well, look, it was, it was just, it was, you know, I, I'm, I have no regrets of my whole career. I, 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 you know, and I've been very fortunate to play, you know, both courts and I thoroughly enjoyed both. Well, we've been, we've been fortunate to watch you. You, you retired... Finally, the end of 96, 97. And so the story goes, when you were on Question of Sport, you were asked what the biggest challenge was going back to Rugby Union because you, you, you left Rugby League, went back to, to Cardiff to play Union for family reasons. And you said the biggest challenge playing Rugby, League, rugby Union was f you've been feeling cold for the first time in seven yeah. years. You never I felt cold when you played Rugby League. No, never. Well, I don't know. I played in Hull KR once. It was bloody freezing. So mine oh, God. Nine, it is but, cold uh, up there. Yeah, I think, I think Martin and Fire went off with hypothermia after. So that's how cold it was. But I think it was... I, I Because I played... I think they came back and I played full back for a while and all that. And again, you, you just... Because of the set piece... You know, it is a little bit slower pace, you know, in uh, in rugby union. I just said it tongue-in-cheek and uh, and that was it. But no, I, I came back because, you know, I wanted a, you know, fam family reasons. Um, mm. You know, my wife wasn't very well, so I came back and, uh, you know, to be up the family support around me. And I, I didn't really think I was going to, you know, play much rugby union, but I just wanted to come back and end my career on a high note and play for Cardiff and give everything to Cardiff. And, um, you know, we went to the European Cup final. We won the Welsh Cup. You know, we had a great time. And I played a couple of games for Wales because I didn't want to play. But if Wales come calling, you've got to say yes, you know. So, um, but I was I was a little bit, a lot slower than I was when I went up there. But I I could call time on my career when I wanted to. And that's what, and that's what happened. They want me to play for another year. But... I kind of trying to plan things, and I've always worked through my career. You know, always worked rugby, you know, and and kept my rugby union and rugby league as my hobby. Wow. Um, I always wanted to be a hobby and a hobby that I would always enjoy. And I think by working and keeping in the real world, you know, I could I could achieve that and appreciate the privileged life that you know a, a top end sportsman had. So. Um, you know, I planned at the end of my career, and, and all of a sudden, I was given a, 
an opportunity with the BBC with Brian Bowick. Indeed so. Then. Indeed so. Indeed so. I mean, throughout your life, you've, it seems like you've been you've been dipped in gold. You know, you've, you've you've enjoyed it wherever you've played. You've won things wherever you've played. Is it a fair question to ask you this? Which is the better game? I, I don't think. I don't think you can. Um, I don't think you can compare them. They're so different. And the way I do it, the way I look at it is it's very, it's it's like snooker and pool. So on the eye for, um, you know, the general sports people, they look very similar, but the rules are totally different. The number of balls are totally different. So that's, that's, that's how I can try and explain it. So a and to I, maybe at my time rugby league suited my game because I wasn't I was on the front foot you know with people like Tony Myler and Mossy and, and Kurt Sosa. so it gave me the opportunity to attack on a one on one basis but as in Wales when I played for Wales maybe we were slightly on the back foot because our pack sometimes got beat up so it's very difficult to kind of compare games because they're so different I was very lucky that you know. To play an international rugby union at the highest level, you know, it's fantastic. But then, you know, club rugby in in uh, rugby league week in week out is is of a higher standard, and I thoroughly enjoyed the challenges. So, but then you know, walking out in Wembley in the old stadium, where you walk hundred yards next door to someone like Brett Mullins, who's like a foot taller than me, <laughs> you know, that's that's an amazing experience. I I don't think like, you can compare them to say which is the better game. That's the that's the real answer, you know. I, which one did I enjoy most? It's that's another one. I, it's it's such a tough question to say because I I thoroughly enjoyed both because I adapted to both. You adapted to both. You played well in both. You won international caps in both, as we've already said. Right. So the playing career is over, and I always say if you can't play, and I never could play anything, by the way, but if you can't play, the best thing. After that is to talk about it or write about it. Yeah. And as you say, Brian Barwick, another good scouser, by the way, Brian. Yeah, he gave you the call and you you ended up in the commentary box at the BBC alongside Frenchie. I did. It was because it's been, it's been odd because all of a sudden, you know, I'm doing rugby union and rugby league. But sometimes I would do them on the same day. And I was, <laughs> and I was really tough because... Because the rules and the laws are so different, you'd have to, t- you know, take one hat off and put another hat on. But again, I never envisaged that, you know, having played both, that I was, I would then step into the, you know, the commentary point and work. You know, to say that I've kind of, you know, worked with Bill McLaren, you know, Steve Ryder, Ray French, um, John Inverdale, and these boys, you know, is has, has been brilliant for me, and I've and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And what it did as well, because of all the rugby league boys, defensive coaches that came to the union, it kind of really um, improved my knowledge of the defensive uh, systems and structures that they had. So my, I felt I could commentate and give more insight on the re- rugby union because of my rugby league experience. So, you know, I, I, it's playing is nothing touches it. But, you know, I've been lucky to commentate on, you know, on both courts and, and commentate on great games with great people. You have, and you mentioned the glitterati of the commentators. There, you missed one out. You work, you work with me. 
You worked with me yeah, a number know, of times. Yeah, I, you didn't warn me. If Skyder, if Skyder wanted me, I, I might have stayed up in the northwest. But uh, you, you can blame Steve out then for that. Oh, I, I don't know who it was. I don't know who it was. But no, you know, we worked, you know, a few times together, Eddie. And I, you know, it, it's, it was great. when I was playing. The one thing I always did, I never ever, you know, shirked an interview. Whether you win or lose, I just feel you have the responsibility to front up, you know, because professional players got to realise where the income comes from. Yeah. And that's, I think, irrespective of how bad you've been or how, how well you've won, you've got to front up and face those cameras and ask the question. And, you know, be polite because there's nothing worse than, as you know, Ed, asking a guy who's just been beaten up and lost and, you know, the last thing he wants to do is to speak to an interviewer. And I think, you know, you've just got to have respect, say the truth, keep your credibility, and then, you know, move on to the next game. Correct. Absolutely right. And you're not only a, a co-commentator, you also have uh, an S4C show called Jonathan in the Welsh language. So you're, you're fluent and, in, in, yeah, in Welsh as well. Yeah, I've been doing it for 17 years now. And I'm doing wow. it, you know, a couple of, like, when you look at, you know, uh, the one show with Alex Jones? Yes. They, they they nicked her off me. She was working with me, and they nicked her and put her on that show. Um, never had an invoice or any money for that, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> all, Nigel Owens, you know, the international referee, you know, he, he also came out on that show as well when he, he was because he was my he's, he works with me on it. So yeah, it's 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 been very interesting, and I um, it's been a miracle that we're still doing it. So it's still going on now. 17 years that's a great record that really is well done for that well done i mean that 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 is good do you enjoy it do you enjoy that side of it now because you're obviously very at ease in front of the mic i do enjoy it um i do enjoy it very much so because it's it's different you know i would never i would never thought that i'd be doing what i'm doing now you know i'm like a a council house boy from samsaran born in my grandmother's front room and all of a sudden i've traveled the world Mostly in economy, but you know, with rugby, <laughs> uh, um, and but you know, now I'm, I'm I'm on television, doing stuff that I I would never ever thought that I would be doing. So um, yeah, I, I just um, you know I've been I've been very fortunate, and because I am doing it, you try and enjoy it. Because if you enjoy it, I think it's and enjoy you know and, and work with people that you enjoy being with, and I've been lucky to do that. You have, and I mean you. Talk about being a boy from a council house in Trimsaran. MBE, 1997. OBE, 2015, for all your work with charity. Yeah. I mean, many congratulations on those two awards. You, you obviously uh, do a lot that we don't hear about all the time. Yeah, you know, I, I try and help. Uh, I've been the president of a Valindra Cancer Care now for, I think, 13 or 14 years. You know, and there's tough times for every charity um, over the last 12 months, you know, because you can't get out there and, and fundraise. But we've done things online and I've tried to raise the awareness. And um, I think in 13 years, we've raised over 35 million. Um, there's a new hospital being built now in Cardiff, a new Valindra Hospital. So, yeah, I'm quite proud of those achievements, especially, you know, having... You know, I've been touched by by cancer with my in my family in the past, so it's nice. Indeed. It's nice to give something back. So, um, yeah, it's um, variety is a spice of life, Ed. I think, isn't it? Just isn't it? Just uh, look. Um, I know you're clocking on. You're not as old as I am, but you're clocking on. <laughs> what 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 will your legacy be? Do you think when when people look back on Jonathan Davis' OBE career, 
what do you think they'll remember you most for? Um, I, I, I think, you know, with social media, you know, and tries pop up now and again on social media and people go, God, I might he could play, couldn't he? And, uh, yeah. I think that I've always wanted to, if I, I've always seen rugby as a stage as, and to perform and people are, are paying. If I can do something that gets people off their seats, um, what I want to, you know, people can say when I've, when I'm pushing daisies up, um, you know, people can, and then my name comes up and said, I, I remember I was there when, when he scored that try. I remember when he was there when he scored that try. So that would be nice to leave some, you know, fond memories. Um, the cancer thing is, is, you know, is very important to me. I can leave some kind of legacy there. The hospital has been built now that I've helped, you know, hopefully a lot of people are suffering from cancer. That's that's one thing. But ultimately, uh, my dad, when he passed away, he's the one thing he said, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. And if I can, if I can, you know, people can say, oh, he was a, he was a tidy bloke. He was. I'll be happy with that. Yeah, well, I can say you're a tidy bloke and you're a really, really good lad. And um, it's been a, an absolute pleasure and a privilege to to talk to you today. Uh, long may continue. Steve-O thinks you're a brilliant commentator, by the way. So, I'd look, you know, I don't know whether you take that as a compliment or an insult. I, I, will, I will take it as a compliment because, you know, I, I it's like, it's, uh, you know what it's like, Ed? Opinions are like assholes, right? And everyone's going. So, it's 50% <laughs> will love you, 50% to hate you, right? And that's what I'm trying to do is introduce them to each other. To be bluntly honest, I couldn't give a... <laughs> 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 as, long as, like, as long as we keep our credibility and say what we really believe in, you know, and we enlighten we enlighten people on on some things that happen on the field. You know, your role is different, you know, to my role. You you say what you see, and you know, when there's a little, it's your kind of um, information and uh, you know and and research that keeps it going, and then we say, and you say what is happening and we would then say why is happening and that's why the partnership like you and Steve will work so well Absolutely Jonathan as I say pleasure privilege always good to to talk to you um, we, yes. might tear, we might tear it up one of these days eh again We might tear up eh? well, you know when I'm up there now when we're back doing the rugby league and it's uh, you know double uh, headers on the weekends yeah, still overnight you know I do enjoy my trips up north uh, meet up and have a couple of pints with the boys in the game of golf so Anytime, Ed, anytime. I'm, I, you could get me at a good time now because all my mates are queuing up to, to play me because I've been slashed. My handicap has been slashed. So all my mates are <laughs> take money off me. And uh, But I do tell them always, when I was in North Queensland, I played against a guy uh, in golf and his handicap was 19 and he was blind. So oh. anyone above 19, I, I tell them that story all the time. Well, you're talking to someone with a handicap of more than 19. <laughs> so, so you better bring some money with you when you come up to the Royal Warrington. <laughs> It'd be a pleasure, Ed. It'd be a pleasure. Because uh, when I, when I, you know, you couldn't really get stuck into any other sport while you were, you know, still in your in the middle of your rugby career. But, uh, you know, I played Warrington a couple of times and hacked it around there. And Walton Hall and Widnes Golf Club and great courses on the Northwest. So it would be nice to come back and... Um, hopefully enjoy the courses a bit more not not hack around well rest assured the course is in great nick we have sorted out all the divots that you left all those years ago it's in good shape it's in good shape and so are you jonathan as i say thank you so much for your time uh, a privilege to talk to you and uh, long may you continue all the very best eddie pleasure mate always great to talk to you take care